This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine all morning long. We're talking about women and heart disease. In the studio with me now, we're joined by a panel of four women who have all experienced heart disease. They're here this morning to share their very powerful stories. In the studio with me, we're joined by Tracy. We're joined by Beverly, Felice, and Golda. Again, they're here this morning to share their story. For more information on women and heart disease or to share your very own story, we want to hear from you this morning. Visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation this morning there now. It's our pleasure to welcome Tracy, Beverly, Felice, and Golda to Sunday Morning Magazine. Welcome, ladies. Good morning, Rodney. Good morning. Thank you for having us. All right. Good, good. So we're going to start this morning with Tracy. Tracy, I understand that at the age of 48, you suffered a heart attack. Take us back to that day. Um, What happened? Um, it was six years ago, and it was a normal day for me. I, I got up and left the house at 6 o'clock like I normally do and went to work, went to a school board meeting, went to my daughter's practice, started feeling like I was having the flu. Nothing more, no pains, nothing. Went home and walked in the door, and um, I don't remember anything after that. My husband said I f- said someone felt like it felt like someone was sitting on my chest. And he went down the hall to call the 911, and I went in the bathroom and threw up and passed out. So when he found me, I had no pulse. He gave me CPR. Um, Life Squad got there and defibrillated me, defibrillated me again on the way to the hospital, and um, told me I had a five. Per, told him I had a five percent chance of survival. So just a typical Wednesday. Wow, that's amazing. And I understand that your heart was so damaged as a result of the heart attack that you had to have a heart transplant. Is that right? That was correct. Um, my heart continued to deteriorate for the next 16 months. They put in a defibrillating pacemaker. Um, it started going off a couple of times, and they put me on the transplant list. And I was lucky enough to get a heart two weeks, two and a half weeks later. Okay. So I was one of the lucky ones. Okay. So take us through that process or walk us through that. Um, what was going through your mind? You're on this donor waiting list. I'm sure this all in your mind happened so fast. What was going through your mind at that time? Unbelievable. It, it was it was surreal. It just wasn't wasn't believable. I happened to be in the hospital for that two and a half week time period because I was that sick. And um, they kept telling me I was the sickest person on the floor, but I didn't feel like it. So it, it didn't connect. So it just went so fast. And when I look back now, and, and this sounds incredibly odd, but... I wish I had not enjoyed it, but been able to take it in a little bit more. We were so worried, and one day they'd say, oh, we have a recipient, and then the next day, next two two hours later, they'd say, no, it's not a match. So we went through that a couple of times, up and down, and the doctors were so fantastic, and the, the, the staff, they were they were wonderful, and you would have thought they were fixing a broken arm. They were just like, this is no big deal. We do this all the time, and it was crazy. It was crazy. So after I received the transplant, on it was I went into surgery at like four o'clock on a Friday, Saturday morning, I was back to my room at noon and I was sitting in a chair by 6 p.m. And then I went home six days later. So I was incredibly lucky. Wow, you definitely. Wow. So yeah. how is your health today? How's your health? Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, I'm back to doing everything. Um, I was off work for nine months when was lucky enough to go back to work and pretty much do anything I want. I you know, take a lot of medications, but um, and the doctors see me quite often, but I live a, we call it an, our new normal. 
Okay, your new normal. Yeah. So, you know, I always ask this, you know, when you have a, a transplant like that, have you had a chance to connect with maybe the donor family or anything like that? Mm-hmm. How has that experience been for you? I have not. I was lucky enough to, I correspond with, uh, I had a very young donor. She was 13 years old. So I correspond with the mother. The, the mother actually lost two daughters in a fire. And I, she was able to donate the organs on both daughters. And we've corresponded by... Um, letter, but we have not had the chance to meet yet. So we hope to soon. And in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about women and heart disease. To join the conversation or to share your story, please visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. In the studio with us, we're joined by four women who have all experienced heart disease. We just talked to Tracy. She shared her story. She is a heart attack survivor. Up next is Beverly. Now, Beverly, you say you grew up without health care. How and in what ways did that impact your health? Keep in mind, growing up poor and without health care, uh, I lived in a community where that was the situation for everyone. Uh, my parents were one generation from sharecroppers, so they had me when my dad was 46, my mom was 48. Uh, and so that was just normal life for me. Um, so when I think about it now, is it unusual? Absolutely. But growing up in a community where everybody was considered, you know, laborers, that was not an unusual thing. Uh, I found out that I had a heart issue when I was 34 years old. Um, so I went, moved to Cincinnati in 1991. So I was 33 years old. And um, I found out when I went to the doctor, he said, you have this heart murmur. Did you know you have this heart murmur? And I said, no. He said, you need to see a cardiologist. So I go see a cardiologist, and he was like, this is like a really bad heart murmur. And so we did some research. And when I was eight years old, I had mumps, measles, and rheumatic fever. And so they think that's the thing that damaged my heart valve. So that's how I found out some, what is that, 23 years later? So at that point, what was your day-to-day life like? I mean, you, di- you didn't have any problems or anything? No. And so what the cardiologist said, who I absolutely love, Dr. David Reed, he said, you know, since you've been living with this for so long, your normal is your normal. Uh, and so I didn't have any issues. I played basketball in high school, first two years of college. You know, I, so I, literally it was the way I had grown accustomed to living. So I had no issues in my mind anyway. Okay, so I'm curious, what did doctors tell you? Because growing up with that heart murmur, did that put additional stress on your heart? Uh, no, because when I when it was discovered, I was at about 67% sufficiency. So it, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. But as you age, of course, uh, things happen. And so uh, he had told me that probably at 55 or 60, I would need to uh, have my valve replaced and the other one repaired. But unfortunately, I went through a personal life situation that put a lot of internal stress on me. So I needed to have it done earlier. But no, I I can't not recall. And it's funny now. People say to me, don't you feel so much better? And the answer to that is no. Hmm. Uh, Because when you've lived your whole life with an insufficiency, you cope with that. You don't know what you don't know. Okay, so you had the valves replaced and, and, and the other... Repaired. Repaired. Okay. So what was that whole, and when was that procedure, and what was that like? So I had that done in 2011, and um, it was a life-altering experience that I say to my kids, I'll never do again. But um, So I had it done on Friday, and um, it was probably about a six-hour procedure. I went home on uh, Monday. I'm a huge germaphobe. 
And so it was my goal uh, to get up and walk the distance in the hospital that they told me I had to walk in order to be able to go home because mm-hmm. I just I you don't want to like, get home. You didn't want to be around the germs. Right. right. And okay, I didn't I, I don't you. I didn't want people touching me and that kind of thing. OK. And so uh, so I would tell you just from my own standpoint, being in the hospital was not a challenging thing for me because I was so focused on getting strong enough in order to go home. OK, good, good. All right. Well, and overall today, your health, you, you say you're fine. Oh, absolutely. I feel fantastic. But again, my normal is my normal. So. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in all morning long, we're talking about women and heart disease. To share your story or for more information on women and heart disease, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now and join the conversation there as well. In the studio with me now, we have a panel of four women who have all experienced heart disease. Earlier, we heard from Tracy. Tracy is a heart attack survivor. We just spoke to Beverly. Beverly was diagnosed with heart disease. Now we're going to move on and talk to Felice. Now, Felice, you were diagnosed with congestive heart failure. When did you first notice that something wasn't quite right? Well, first I was diagnosed with third stage cancer, and I was getting chemo treatments. And the chemo treatments affected my heart, made my heart weaken. And that's when I noticed that something wasn't right because I was short of breath and I couldn't hardly breathe. Okay, so help me to understand this. So was this a total result of the chemo or was there underlining problems that you were having with your heart? They said it was the chemo. Okay. So I understand that in 2012 you had a defibrillator um implanted. Is that right? That's right. Okay. And what, tell me about that experience and why doctors decided to do that and what that was like for you to go through that experience. Well, it was supposed to be a one day experience outpatient, but what happened is that they had problems with the defibrillator because of the scar tissue from the radiation. So they had to go on the other side, cut me twice. And I ended up in ICU and They said the whole operation was a disaster. They said they was unable because of the scar tissue to get to the left ventricle to make that stronger. So they said the defibrillator is there and the only thing it would be good for if I was to, if my heart was to stop, it would try to start my heart again. But uh, what they wanted to do was they wanted to strengthen the left ventricle, but that didn't happen because of the scar tissue. Okay. So I understand that you, you went through all that in 2012, but as of today, you've had that defibrillator. It's been removed. Is That's what I understand. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I got a second opinion, and I went to another doctor. And um, after, I think it was a year with my new doctor, they removed the defibrillator. Okay, good, great, great. And so overall, how's your health today? My health is excellent. All right. And again, we're talking to women who have all experienced heart disease. Earlier, we spoke to Tracy. Tracy is a heart attack survivor. We spoke to Beverly. Beverly was diagnosed with heart disease. We just spoke to Felice. Felice was once diagnosed with congestive heart failure. Up next is Golda. Golda says that her heart disease diagnosis a few years ago has actually changed her life. Tell us about your diagnosis, Golda. Um, in June of 2015, I was diagnosed with peripartum cardiomyopathy and chronic heart failure. Those are big words. So yes. uh, break it down. <laughs> so you're, basically, not a, you're not a doctor, but uh, help us to understand what that is. Um, basically, after the birth of my third child, I developed heart failure and an enlarged heart from the pregnancy. So by the time they finally diagnosed me, 
if you let it go, your left ventricle becomes weak and you go into heart failure. And that's what happened to me. I unfortunately went undiagnosed for a long time. So by the time they caught it, my EF was just 10 to 15%. So What's EF? Uh, ejection fraction. Now, you say that you had a family history of heart disease. Is that right? I did. And um, so I'm just curious, you know, I'm not a doctor, but it seems as though as you, if you had a history then that's something maybe doctors should have been looking for. I mean, I'm just me. I just, I'm just a radio guy. Yeah, but... I feel like it kind of worked against me in my case because I look perfectly healthy. And to a lot of the doctors, it just seemed like I had a lot of anxiety about my family history. So I was often accused of just having anxiety or depression or, you know, trying to explain away all my symptoms of chronic fatigue and all of this stuff. So, yeah, in most cases, it should help you, but I, I really feel like it worked against me. Okay, so let me ask you this. Overall, today, how is your health? Um, overall, my heart health is not much better. I'm still at 10 to 15%, but, you know, I'm 10 living 15 in... 15% of... Ejection fraction. So that's... A normal person should be between 60 and 70%, mm-hmm. and to get a transplant, you need to be under 10%. So I'm kind of right there at what they consider end-stage heart failure. Um, There's still a chance of recovery, which I'm still working towards, but, you know, nobody really knows if that's going to happen or not. Okay, so did you have to modify your diet or your lifestyle? How has that worked? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely diet restrictions just from being sick. So I have a fluid restriction, and I have to take Lasix all the time, Um, a sodium restriction. So which was probably the hardest part of this for me because I love salt a lot. It's a problem. So that's been a huge adjustment for me, just trying to eat food without dumping a gallon of salt on it. All right. right. So let me ask you this now in terms of heart disease, what's been the most difficult for you? Probably just being so tired all the time. When you have three kids, they don't stop ever. They don't care that mommy's tired. They don't understand that mommy's tired. So I have to do everything that I was doing before, regardless of how tired I am. So that gets to be challenging. And the mental side of it, not knowing what tomorrow brings. You know, I I often joke, I'm just kind of waiting till I crash. The doctors are like, you're going to crash. We just don't know when. So every day you wake up and you're like, oh, my heart just skipped a beat. Is today the day? You know, you just don't really know. So and when you have bad days, it's hard. But um Overall, everything's just kind of up in the air right now. I live life as normal as I can and do the best that I can. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're talking to women who have experienced heart disease. For more information on women and heart disease or to share your story, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. In the studio with me is a panel of women who have all experienced heart disease. We're joined by Tracy. Tracy is a heart attack survivor. Golda says her diagnosis of heart disease changed her life nearly two years ago. Felice was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, and Beverly was diagnosed with heart disease. Now, earlier, Tracy, you talked about your heart attack, but for women listening this morning, let's talk more about some of the symptoms that you experienced. I had no symptoms that I thought, I, I obviously did not even think about heart. I thought immediately when I when I started feeling sick to my stomach, I thought, oh, great, I'm getting the flu. I don't have time for this. And I remember vividly thinking that, like, oh, what am I going to do now? So 
I had none of the symptoms you hear that women have, which was even more bizarre to me. I didn't have any pain in the arm. I just felt sick to my stomach. And I don't remember the feeling like somebody was sitting on my chest. My husband relayed that to me that I said that. So I, you know, I, it was just totally could not have been more out of the blue. I was extremely healthy at 48. I exercised three times a week. I hadn't been to a doctor because I had not had a cold or flu for 10 years. So I was the picture of health. I actually did have family history also. My father died at 49 of a heart attack, but I always thought it would be my brothers and not me. So I I couldn't have been healthier. Cholesterol was good. Everything was good. Okay, Beverly, for you, any family history of heart disease? Other than my mom died at 87 of congestive heart failure, but that was as a result of being hospitalized for six months. Okay, and Felice, any history of heart disease in your family? Uh, my father died of heart failure. My sister passed of heart failure. And just recently, in April, my 35-year-old son passed away for heart failure. Wow, I'm so sorry for your loss, Felice. Now, let's move on here. Um, Tracy, we talked to Tracy, and she said that at 48, she was exercising three times a day. We talked to Golda. She talked about her lifestyle. But for you other ladies, um, after your heart disease diagnosis, how have you modified your diet or lifestyle? Well, as a follow-up from cardiac rehab, I took on a exercise and diet program that I had not been doing prior to having my surgery. I walked a lot, but now I do more strength training. I'm a five- to seven-day-a-weeker workout. Um, and I choose to modify my diet based on that. Uh, But one of the things that that I'll say, and it's funny because Dr. Reed used to say this to me because I was overweight. He would say, you're a healthy, overweight person. I didn't have high cholesterol. I didn't have any of those things. My disease was strictly from having rheumatic fever and having damaged heart valves. So I made a choice after cardiac rehab to change my diet, to change my workout regimen. Just because, I mean, you know, a healthy body, healthier life. So, Okay, thank you, Beverly Felice. Yes, um, I think it's very important that in my situation, my doctor said uh, from medicine and divine healing, my heart was healed. But it's important to maintain your health. So in an effort to do that, I I went on a low-sodium diet. I joined Weight Watchers and lost 36 pounds. I went to water aerobics, and I continued to eat healthy. Uh, my son, he sends me... Um, organic food once a month through the uh, green bean delivery. And so I continue to do everything I can to maintain my health so that I will not have congestive heart failure again. Well, and just as important as the physical health is the mental health too. I feel like if I didn't have a positive attitude, I would not have gotten through all of this. I just knew I had a 15-year-old daughter at the time, and I knew I wanted to finish raising her. So I just did not let my – I was like, this just isn't an option. Failure isn't an option. So I, I think the, the mental piece of it is equally as important. I agree. I, one of the things – I would say the number one benefit for me from working out five to seven days a week is more mental and, and spiritual than it is physical. Um, I feel great about the day once I get a great workout in. So it really helps you with attitude, relaxation, joy, peace, love of life. And so thank you for bringing that up because that is really, really positive. It is a positive outcome. And my doctor also told me that most people succeed if they have a positive attitude. And he said I did have a positive attitude. And I always say that a merry heart does good like medicine. Mm -hmm. So 
definitely your mental health helps you with your physical health. Okay. So we know this, we know that heart disease is the number one cause of death for women. I want to get your thoughts on why you believe that heart disease is so prevalent among women. Personally, I think because women put themselves last. I mean, that that day, there was not a doubt in my mind that there was anything wrong with me other than, you know, maybe the flu. So you just don't have time to stop. You're always thinking about your kids or thinking about your spouse or thinking about your parents or whatever it may be. So I was always the one that everybody depended on. You know, there was no one for me to I didn't need to depend on anybody because I was so self-sufficient. So I think that's part of the problem. Women don't listen to their problems. And Rodney, I think one of the challenges is up until, I'm going to guess, 10 years ago, heart attack in women wasn't talked a lot about. And so there was not this broad base of information that women had that would say, if you have this experience or this experience, it could be something relative to heart disease. So that's why I'm so thankful for the American Heart Association and Go Red for Women, because it's really, really brought to the forefront uh, the opportunity for women to better understand what heart disease looks like in women and provides them that opportunity to go get checked out. So that's the one thing I would say lack of information until, you know, a few years ago was, was a real, real challenge. Okay, good perspective, Beverly. Golda. Um, I think one of the biggest problems is, like she said, lack of information. For me, I had never heard of peripartum cardiomyopathy until I was diagnosed with it. And I feel like had I known or had I heard about it, that maybe I would have taken my symptoms more seriously. And, you know, like Tracy said, you're always putting everybody else first. I had three kids to take care of. I was taking my son to T-ball while nursing a newborn around the clock, you know. I didn't have time to be sick, so it wasn't it wasn't even an option to get into the doctor and take care of myself and you know, and when I did, I was accused of having anxiety, which was a huge problem that I wasn't being heard, you know, I don't look sick, so I guess I'm not sick, you know. So, I think there's a lot of issues that could really be corrected pretty easily if we put some effort into it. Well, and I know when I heard Golda's story, Golda's story really touched me because she was so young and she's so beautiful. And I thought about her and I thought about what it must be like having three kids that's depending on you and now knowing that you're sick. But she she told the story about how the doctors thought she was having anxiety and they kind of blew her off. And it's so easy. You, You say in your mind, they're the experts. They know what they're talking about. So I must be crazy or I must be having anxiety. Yeah. And it's you, you just have to push forward and you have to listen to your instincts and listen to your gut. And it, it, that, you know, you, you can't let them just blow you off. Right. And it's easy to be blown off because you want to be healthy and you yeah. don't want to be Nobody the sick one. Nobody wants to be sick. <laughs> yes, exactly. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to a panel of four women who have all experienced heart disease. Tracy is a heart attack survivor. Golda says her heart disease diagnosis has changed her life. Felice was once diagnosed with congestive heart failure, and Beverly was diagnosed with heart disease. For more information on women and heart disease, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and you can also share your story with us there as well. Now, how has heart disease changed your outlook on life, ladies? Felice. Life is so important. Every day, every minute, every hour, I have a stronger appreciation for life. And I try to make sure every day that I live my life to the utmost and that I'm doing the right things. 
I really miss my son because of heart disease, and I try to do whatever I can to share information through the Heart Association to heighten people's awareness about this leading causing disease that's killing women. You know, I am so grateful, you know, to be here, to be alive, and to share my story with anybody or everybody who wants to hear it because I do believe that there's hope. And I'm just listening to these women. We can see that there's hope. And life is important. So if you want to live, you need to take care of your body and take care of yourself. Good. Well said, Felice. Tracy. That was well said. (laughs) Um, You just, you do, you have to live every day. And, And I was so incredibly excited that I did get to continue living because I, like I said, they gave me a 5% chance of survival. And all I wanted to do was I just prayed every day that I got a chance to see my daughter graduate from high school. I not only got a chance for her to graduate from high school and go into nursing school and then change her degree three times, but um, <laughs> so she's still in college, but um, you know, it every day is such a gift and, and there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't thank my donor family. And um, I, I do a speech once a year to families that have um, donated organs through the Life Center. And that's an incredibly um, great experience because you're talking to those people. And, and I always say, you know, it's, it's hard. You've, you've given a gift that you never should have been able to give. And they'll just never know how it's, it's affected someone else. And I just can't imagine, you know, my husband always says their worst day was our best day. And it's how do you reconcile that, you know, in your mind? So I uh, just live every day to the fullest and, and do what I can do and, you know, say a prayer every day. All right. Beverly, how has heart disease changed your life? Perspective. Um, we live in a society that often judges the exterior without knowing the interior. Uh, and so we believe that uh, if the outside doesn't look the way that we think it, it should look, then the inside is not right. And so that's one of the things that I try to encourage. I was just somewhere Saturday night, and uh, someone was speaking to me about um, the workout being that I am. And I said, you know, it's, it's like a car for me. Uh, I talk to people about health like a car. So life has changed for me. You wouldn't overfill your gas tank. Uh, you would not change your oil. There are a lot of things that you would not do. So some people take better care of a car than they do themselves. And so that's the way I look at my life. My body now, I fill it with fuel, not food. And so it's really changed the perspective on how I want to live my life for the rest of my life. Uh, to be a role model for my children, uh, for my friends, uh, because it's just so, so important, as, as these ladies have said, to take each day as the gift that it's been given to you. Golda. I think that heart disease has made me more of a fighter. Um, I feel like every day that I wake up that I'm fighting for one more day to raise my kids and fighting for their future and I think that it's really changed my perspective on, you know, what every day means and what every little trial means. And I just feel like I know now that I'm even stronger than I could have ever been. All right. And finally, this morning, we're running out of time this morning. But what would you say to other women listening this morning in terms of heart disease or women in general? What's your message to them, Beverly? As we listen to Golder speak, 
One of the things that we need to understand is while doctors are the experts, we are the experts of our bodies. So we need to go into our appointments really well prepared and actually to dare greatly that they can't not uh, not treat us with the level of respect that we have for our own bodies. So I, I would encourage women to be more courageous in owning your health and standing firm in your position when you're in the examining room letting them know exactly how you feel, your symptoms, keep a a diary. It's really important to be the owner or the CEO of your own health. All right. Felice. I would add that it's okay to get a second opinion because in my situation, I could have died because they told me that I was just at risk for sudden heart death, but I got a second opinion and I'm still alive today. So it's okay if you, disagree with your doctor and you want to get an opinion of another doctor. Okay. Good. Good. Tracy. Same thing. Challenge your doctors. I I know when we were going through all of this, they, we had a a nurse practitioner look at us and say, you guys are almost too educated. And I said to her, I don't think you can be too educated when it's something this important. And there was many a time we would challenge something somebody would say and come away with a different outcome. So challenge them. Don't, don't be afraid. And, you know, uh, I don't hesitate to every chance I get talk to women. The the first thing I did when I got home from the hospital was send an email out to my department. And I said, I'm going to get on my soapbox and I want everyone out there, all you women, to, you know, get tested. And if they say you're fine, you're healthy, push a little bit harder. If you're still, tell them you're having chest pains <laughs> and ask for some sort of screening. So I think there needs to be more screening um, and don't take it for granted. If you feel something inside, push it. All right. So I understand that all ladies, all you ladies are active in the Go Red for Women campaign. Why is this so important to you, Beverly? I think the stories that come from women in Go Red are so critically important. So I would like to say to the audience, if you have a story around your heart, couldn't even be heart disease, but if you have a heart story, we'd ask you to go to Cincinnati Heart Association's Go Red for Women's Facebook page and let us know your story. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning. I want to thank you ladies for taking time to share your stories with us. I think all four of you are very courageous. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thanks, thank Rodney. You. Thanks, Rodney. Thank you.